0: I'm Aaron Fraser,
1: And I'm Matt Bose. In this episode, we're going to discuss director Sanjay Lila Bansali with an in-depth look at three of his films.
0: First up, 1999's Hum Dil De Chuke Sanam, featuring Salman Khan, Ashwarya Rai, and Ajay Devgan in a globe-trotting love triangle.
1: Then Rani Mukherjee plays a deaf and blind young woman who defies all odds with help from her stubborn teacher, played by Amitabh Bachchan in 2005's Black.
0: And finally, Rithik Roshan plays a paralyzed former stage magician fighting for the right to die in Guza Rish from 2010. Welcome back, lovers. Uh, this episode's coming out a little late, Matt? Mm-hmm. I we, we do apologize. Uh, the holiday season is really picking up and we are busier than ever.
1: Haven't really got very much hate mail about it, though. So no. So we're okay.
0: No. Um, but we do acknowledge that, you know, we're about a half a week late on this episode. Um, that being said, I am pretty sure that our next episode will be out sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah. Speaking of uh, Sanjay Lilla Bansali... We are going to be watching his new film on Friday.
0: On Friday, yes, Badra Mustani, and we will also be taking in uh, another release that's coming out on the same day. That you know, we've talked about these two films before in our previous episode, um, Dilwale with Shahrukh Khan and Kajol, and your your favorite guy, Bo Manarani.
1: Yeah, Bo Manarani, my buddy.
0: Yeah, I hear you We're pretty are pretty close making, now. Yeah. yeah, huge yeah. steps in your friendship with Bo Manarani.
1: Yeah. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, it was. Uh, Mr. Irani's birthday.
0: Yeah.
1: and people You're not quite on,
0: chummy enough to call him Bowman, right?
1: No. Yeah. People from around the globe were uh, sending their well wishes to him, and I did the same, saying, you know, happy birthday from Canada. And you know what? He responded.
0: Oh. It was great. How do you feel now that you know Bowman Irani knows you exist? Somewhat. Has a vague awareness of who you are.
1: Well, it feels amazing. Yeah? <laughs> yeah.
0: You feel uh, legitimized?
1: Yeah. And... You know, he has 1.4 million followers, and he talked to me.
0: I know. Can you believe that? Well, you're a special little guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah.
0: Um, speaking of Twitter conversations, we have um, another podcast to shout out.
1: Yeah, so we've been talking to a guy named Shah Shahid, who lives in Toronto, mm-hmm. and he has his own podcast called The Split Screen Podcast. So if you're... Uh, this you kind know- of
0: sounds like... My other podcast writer in the Movies, is kind of mixed with Bollywood. Yeah, it
1: has an interesting premise. Uh, if you're looking for some other podcast to entertain yourself during the December holidays, uh, I suggest the split-screen poly- podcast. So yeah. what he does, uh, Shah Shahid, is that he takes a Bollywood movie, which is usually a remake of a Hollywood movie, and compares and contrasts. He's also done uh, the original Don versus... Mm. Uh, the Shiro Khan remake of Don, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they kind of split on which one they like better. But he has a variety of interesting co-hosts and lots of good discussion about movies. So if you're into us, or if you're into Aaron's other podcast, Trash Art and the Movies, I would suggest checking out the Split Screen podcast. There's, I think, five or six episodes, and you can they're half an hour, which is a great length for a podcast. One will probably never reach. But, <laughs> we uh, ramble on too uh, much. You know it's. <laughs> It's good to listen to on your lunch break. That's what I've been doing. So I've listened to them all, and I I really enjoyed it. So, uh, yeah, shout-out to Shah Shahid. Seems like a cool guy.
0: Yeah, and, you know, as we've talked about before, we're kind of newcomers to to Bollywood, um, and listening to the Split Screen Podcast has really kind of clarified and given me some perspective on... Um, other aspects of Bollywood, uh, that I kind of wasn't necessarily aware of in the way I tend to just follow contemporary mainstream Bollywood. So, Mm uh, yeah, yeah. Good shout out.
1: Definitely check that one out.
0: Yeah, we recommend it. But our topic for this episode is Sanjay Leela Bansali. Now, we've seen, at this point, almost all of Sanjay Leela Bansali's films, or SLB. We're going to say
1: SLB, because for whatever reason, that last name of his is a tongue twister. Bansali? Bansali. Yeah. But I'm saying Banslali, all (laughs) kinds of things. So, SLB.
0: Yes. Um, We've seen most of his films at this point. Um, We're missing three, including the upcoming Badro Mustani, so... Soon there's only going to be two that we need to catch up with. Um, and we're not going to be talking about um, probably his two most popular films, Devdas and Ramleela, mm-hmm. because we have other episodes ideas for those two films in the future. But we will say that we're big fans of both Devdas and Ramleela. Um, yeah, Ramleela
1: is probably my favorite Bollywood film to this point, I would say.
0: Yeah, and our, um, our uh, podcast icon, Avatar... Whatever it's called, uh, that is a still from well, it's from the movie poster for Ram Ramleela with yeah. Ramveer Singh, and it's a Piku
1: So we're going to talk about that one when we talk about uh, literary adaptations coming up because they're both yeah from fairly they're both from pretty big uh, you know works of literature yes so Dev will be coming is, up later.
0: It's from the Bengali novel
1: yeah, yeah. and Ramleela, loosely adapted from. Romeo Juliet possibly made better <sighs> who knows
0: oh, you're you're teasing things uh, so he began SLV began his career as an assistant to vidu vinod chopra mm-hmm. uh, who made a lot of crime films at the end of the 80s and in the early 90s and most recently remade one of them in hollywood with uh your uh, favorite Vincent your Inacrio. favorite actor
1: your favorite actor I love uh, no not him <laughs>
0: And Anton Yelchin. Al- Anton
1: Yelchin. Who, who, yeah, I <laughs> Yeah. Aaron's favorite Wink actor.
0: And Thomas Jane is in it, too. Oh, the publisher. Um, <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. There's, and if you see trailers for this film, it has, like, James Cameron and uh, um, Gravity. What's his name?
1: Uh, Alfonso Cuaron. Alfonso
0: Cuaron, just praising Broken Horses. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Another... Shout out to the Split Screens podcast. I wanted to see you do Parinda, the Bollywood film, and Broken Horses. Because I think this is probably an example where the Bollywood film is far superior to the Hollywood film. That movie is terrible.
1: Yeah. Um, do it, man. You got to you gotta do that one.
0: But as L.B. eventually stepped on his own on his own, and his uh, directorial debut was... Kamoshi the Musical, which has some similarities to a couple of the films we're going to be discussing today. It tells the story of a young daughter's struggle to communicate with her deaf and mute parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so up until this this kind of past couple of weeks where we were catching up with these films, I think we saw SLB as kind of this sweeping romantic director. Yeah. And as we quickly saw in, in two of these films, he also has... Um, Kind of a penchant for characters and individuals who are dealing with disabilities.
1: He kind of seems like an issues guy sometimes. Yeah. He wants to talk about an issue.
0: Which I think I would kind of get from DevDAS, but wouldn't have wouldn't have gotten as much from Ramlila. Well, Ramleela
1: is probably the... Too many guns in one village is the issue. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Um, and... Uh, his uh, his final film that we haven't mentioned yet that um, I'm I'm sure at some point we will also get around to seeing is a Dostoyevsky adaptation called um Sa. Sawaria. Thank you, Sawaria. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's which interesting debuted, that yeah. uh, Ranbir Kapoor and Sonam before Yeah, and he's it was a huge flop.
1: He's done a lot of literary adaptations because Hum uh, De Chuke Sanam is a Bengali novel first. Mm-hmm. Black is somewhat based on the life of Helen Keller. It's very
0: similar to The Miracle Worker.
1: Yeah, and Guzerish... Ah, maybe not Guzerish, I don't know. Was it based on a book?
0: No, Guzerish is uh, an original story. It was, however, inspired by his favorite playback singer, uh, who was not a paraplegic, so I don't quite understand how this all comes together.
1: Maybe the guy had a radio Um, show. We're we're getting ahead of ourselves, but... uh, Yeah. Yeah, so he does a lot of literary adaptations. There's a strong musical component in, like... The actual story involves music, as opposed to just sometimes there's song and dance numbers.
0: Yeah. And the cinematography in his films are exceptional. These are some of the most beautiful movies you will see anywhere from any culture in the world. I I think they're jaw-dropping.
1: I would also say his use of mise-en-scene is really interesting. Maybe not so much in Hamdil uh, uh, de Chuque,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: uh, in Black, Ram Ramlila...
0: Dev Das. Dev das. Sure. There's definitely
1: yeah. a really good use of the, the scenery. And uh, mise-en-scene just means all the things that are in the frame. So, like, props and um, architecture.
0: And he largely lighting. shoots on film sets, too, which is yeah. kind of phenomenal. Because, like, none of these locations are real. They're all constructed. And yeah. it, they're embedded with such life that really kind of, I think... Gives his films a rather unique quality in that you yeah. kind of feel immersed in them, even if you can't tell what time period they're supposed to be set in.
1: Yeah, we can bring that up later, but uh, there's definitely like it almost reminds me of like uh, oh, you're not gonna like this, but Tim Burton.
0: Oh, okay, someone yeah. who can
1: kind of use a stagey looking place and make it look really good, or for someone Baz Luhrmann, Baz Luhrmann, who's so who was much-
0: heavily influenced. By Bollywood. Yeah,
1: or even a a uh, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Especially Black and Guzerish, kind of those big, empty mansions full of stuff. It kind yeah. of reminded me of that.
0: Yeah, he doesn't necessarily have kind of like the creepy factor that, uh, that Burton or del Toro has, but certainly that kind of a... Uh, it's
1: overstuffed.
0: ...hyper-realism, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Matt, why don't you set up Hum de Chuke Sanam for us?
1: Okay, well, the uh, title, which we're going to just call, call Hum from now on, because it's um. long, uh, translates to, I have given my heart away, darling, but was released in English as Straight from the Heart, which is close to a movie you guys did on uh, Trash Art and the Movies. Uh, the uh, one with the uh, violin teacher, what was that called? With Meryl Streep?
0: Oh, the West Coast Sh- One from the Heart? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've blocked it from my memory.
1: Yeah. Not a not a huge one that you loved. Uh, so it's adapted from a 1974 Bengali novel called Na hanyate It was a big hit. Launched the career of Ashwara Ray. And, uh, you know, also featured someone Khan, Avjay Devgan. So in this... Uh, the
0: one from the heart, Matt, is the Coppola film.
1: Oh, shit. Well, it maybe that is uh involved
0: music of the heart was the music
1: uh, of the heart that's it
0: yeah
1: uh anyway uh so in a hum which we're calling it hum hum okay uh Salman khan plays a young man named samir who is half indian and grew up in italy
0: he's half italian too his last yeah. name is rosalini
1: yeah it's funny samir <laughs> rosalini um <laughs> and he's uh he's come to India to uh, learn from a uh classical Indian singer yeah uh he it's unclear how they met or anything. He basically just wanders through the desert, <laughs> rolls up in their house, and then moves it's in. really
0: this vast desert around this uh mansion
1: <laughs> yeah so uh he him moving in has kind of uh, annoyed the singer's uh daughter named Nandita, right
0: uh, Na- Nandini.
1: Yeah, Nandini. They also call her Nandita. They call her a bunch of things. But uh, she has to give up her fairly palatial room in this estate to let him live there. Unclear as to where she went, by the way. That <laughs> that was a weird little plot point. Like, oh, I'm so mad I have to leave my room. Well, I mean, there's probably other rooms in your father's mansion. And, uh, yeah, Eshwire Ray plays Nandini, Nandita. They called her that a couple times. I'm sure of it. Okay. And wouldn't you know what the two of them... Almost instantly fall in love. Even even for a Bollywood movie, this is close. Like she's vaguely pissed off Not that she has thirsty, to leave her has room. To
0: fart in front of her, and she has to then giggle and tell everyone about yeah. it. Um, then she falls in love with him. And potentially, I don't know, maybe regrets making fun of his farting. Habits. Potentially
1: the most achievable um, of the uh, Bollywood seduction strategies of just. Um, going for some gigantic lentil farts in front of Ashwara uh, Ray. And hey, it appears to have worked in real life, too, because Salmon Khan and Oshawa Ray were together for a while.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. the less said about that, the better. They're,
1: they're not together anymore. We don't really want to delve into that more. But uh, uh, but trouble enters the picture when the two dithering lovers, who have not really gotten around to telling uh, uh, Nandita, Nandini...
0: Nandini. Yep.
1: Nandini, her father. They had not told her father that Samir is in love with her, and by all accounts, he probably would have been fine with this. He seems to like Samir, and instead they're deciding to marry her off to uh, Ajay Devgan's character.
0: Yeah, I don't think they necessarily would have been fine with it, because Samir is not respectable. He's not from India. He's not from an important family, and, you know, so much about kind of From what we see in these films about these marriage stories has a lot to do with, you know, tradition and family legacies and how a daughter belongs to her father. And then when she is married, she's no longer part of that family and she belongs to her husband and belongs to her husband's family. You want an advantageous
1: match. It's like uh, Jane Austen.
0: Yeah. And... Samir wouldn't have provided that, so I don't even I don't I'm not necessarily sure that even if he knew he would have gone. But had for they it.
1: said something, a lot of heartbreak and turmoil would have been avoided. Yeah, so but that's Ajay every Dev, ball you know, I Yeah, done. it is, it is, it is. But in this one, to me, it just seemed it's especially egregious. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Ajay Devgan, his family, he's a lawyer. His father's a lawyer. You know, advantageous match, and. He's actually kind of a good guy, considering. Yeah. So he figures out pretty quickly that his li- his wife doesn't actually like him that much, and decides. And to
0: be fair, he didn't do anything wrong. No, he's uh, a nice enough guy. Yeah. This beautiful woman who looked, you know, vivacious and exciting, and so singing he- a
1: song about a lemon.
0: <laughs> yeah, singing a song about a lemon, um, and so you know he proposes in, in the fashion that you do to the family, they accept it, and then, you know, he's thrilled to be marrying this woman, and then immediately he's like, oh my god, something is wrong, and she hates me, and yeah, what literally I on I their did. wedding night, too. I feel so bad for Ajay AJ Defcon's character throughout this entire film, because yeah. he's, like he's legit just a stand-up guy. But
1: good guy AJ takes <laughs> uh, um, Aishwara Ray to... Italy, in scare quotes. Um, <laughs> oh, look, We looked yeah, this up. The, the movie quotes. was actually uh, filmed in Hungary. Yeah,
0: in Budapest.
1: And there are quite a few, uh, you know, signs in Hungarian. <laughs> and absolutely incomprehensible quasi-Italian, like, dubbing for everybody. Like, even for a Bollywood movie, it is unclear as to what all the white people are saying.
0: It's It's... Kind of ridiculous because it looks nothing like Italy and they don't try and make it seem like it's Italy. And there's, you know, kind of some, you know, traditional Hungarian dancing. Yeah, the the slap and jump
1: dance and, you know, traditional Hungarian hats.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I guess from what I've read was that SLB didn't feel that Hungary would kind of speak to the masses in India. So they made it italy that was a country that more people would be kind of just familiar Maybe with. They, yeah, they
1: might just not know very much about Hungary. Where is Italy? And
0: Samir is Catholic. He Italy is shown as Italy has is
1: pizza, spaghetti, <laughs> Machiavelli, uh, Ferraris.
0: All those good things.
1: None of these appear in the Italy in the film, mind you. The, uh, the one food that we see is a weird sort of octopus and peppers platter that uh, uh, Nandini orders in a... Pretty funny scene. Yes. So, good guy AJ takes his wife to uh, Italy, and they try to track down Samir, and then she's faced with a decision.
0: Yeah. She's torn. Her heart is torn between, you know, kind of the goofy and boyish and exciting, you know, Italian Indian that she fell in love with, and... Her husband, who she's kind of discovered to be a really mature and decent and kind of ethic, like morally and ethically sound individual, mm-hmm. yeah. um, who is like serious about taking care of her and being, you know, a good husband to her. It's not like um, she's going to
1: get a job, right? Like no. someone has to make the money.
0: No, um, there she has an older sister in the film who kind of like serves as a juxtaposition um to kind of how all of this could go horribly wrong one of those classic older
1: sisters who married poorly
0: exactly yeah Yeah. so she you know also was having an affair um and fell in love with someone but you know married according to her parents wishes and then the family that she marries into beats her and so she comes back to um to the home and you know her father the, the singer is very upset and they're going to sort this out um but Nandini and Samir kind of orchestrate her to be able to run away with her lover. and so
1: That's really not going to ingratiate you with, uh, you know, your potential in-laws too, Samir. You didn't really think that went through.
0: No. He, well, I don't know to what extent they know that Samir helped. Yeah. Um, but it does set up kind of this, this foil for, um, and, and this expectation that Nandini has that kind of being married off, Um, into another family against her wishes is not in her best interest, that her parents aren't looking out for her.
1: This subplot is also entirely gone halfway through the movie. But I
0: think it is an important subplot that really, like, kind of...
1: They never really mention it again, and they're in another country. But it does set up uh, potential, like, bad implications for an arranged marriage.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, it, it is kind of, like, to a certain extent part of the crux of the film because it's also in in these events that uh samir and nadini's affair is found out by a meddling aunt
1: yeah another classic indian character it's always a
0: bitchy meddling aunt the bitchy aunt
1: who has no happiness in her life and wants to inflict her sadness upon young people the classic uh you know character
0: yeah, yeah. So she just, Watch like, out for
1: your aunties. They seem nice, but they could kind of want to fuck
0: you up. She just bad, has to ruin their fun, you know? Yeah. And in this kind of really kind of bitter gambit, you know, says, um, says to Nandini's father, you know, that, you know, is he entirely sure what Nandini's up, you know, up to? And, and, and he's like, well, of course, and he bets his singing on it
1: another another weird uh, subplot that also goes away but and then later on
0: yeah a lot of the stuff kind of that's going on in india gets forgotten as soon as you get to italy yeah Um, Which I think is a shame, because kind I think this is three hours long. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the longest of the films that we're going to discuss, and probably could have been trimmed down significantly.
1: At least two and a half hours.
0: At least two and a half hours, yeah. Um, The initial setup kind of takes a while, and the stakes seem kind of very low.
1: Laughably low. It's Um, just them bouncing off each other and having a good time, farting. (laughs) <laughs> you know all the fun stuff you like to do
0: eating lots of peppers yeah <laughs> to prove yeah. a point yeah Samir's kind of a whiny baby I I don't know I wouldn't I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have kind of put all of my potential life joys and happinesses into a character like Samir but I do like how it sets up this juxtaposition between the kind of man that you fall in love with as a young woman and then the kind of man that you fall in love with as, you know, a more mature woman looking for kind of different things in life. I I think that's really, really interesting in this film. And she makes Um, that
1: decision within, like, three weeks. So she grows up fast.
0: She does grow up fast. But, I mean, wouldn't you if you were suddenly married off and on your own and – I, I mean, she goes from a, from a girl who's thinking, who thinks that kissing will get you pregnant.
1: Yeah, that's my favorite subplot. <laughs> is uh, this comes up twice, like, and then did you kiss? Is that how? Uh, is that how your baby happened? No, no. There's other stuff that you do. Like, oh, okay. Uh, compulsory sex education in uh, in uh, what is it? this is Gujarat, I think. Yeah. it is. Perhaps not the best.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's a moment when Samir leans in to kiss her, and uh, she like. Turns them away because they might up. have a baby. She's like,
1: no, I'm not ready for a baby. He, and he doesn't even really come back with like, no, actually, this isn't how it works. Maybe he doesn't know either. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's pretty freaked out by the possibility of getting pregnant from getting kissed. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, but the strongest, the strongest step in this film, I think, is really in the middle when they are in India and um, tension is starting to rise in this relationship between Ashwari Rai's character and Salma Khan's character and the Ajay Devgan character is starting to figure in. And I think that central kind of um, love triangle works best um, you know, with the meddling family and you know i just i think those scenes uh have you know the most beautiful lighting and kind of the best cinematography and it loses some of that when it goes to italy
1: well it doesn't really need to have sets or anything when they're in italy it's just mostly location photography and yeah um, there's lots of interesting churches that it's at and lots of cafes
0: location photography like it's not it's not unpleasant to look at but it doesn't have like the lushness and the richness that that the stuff in India has.
1: No, but that he's not controlling all the elements when he's... He exactly, yeah.
0: exactly. And so and this is the only SLB film that uh, we have seen where he leaves India. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was kind of surprising and I think kind of jarring to me because I've come to expect certain characteristics of his style.
1: This feels almost like a Karen Johar or another... Um, kind of, a Yash Raj. Yeah, a Yash Raj or any of the Shuru Khan movies where uh, they're in England or something... It's closer to that than our other two films here.
0: Yeah, at least in this uh, second half. Now, um, this film really put SLB on the map partly because it was a huge box office hit and it won many awards, but also because his use of... Um, music and dancing and showing kind of these large kind of family celebration and spectacles in these dance sequences mm-hmm. with them, which is certainly an aspect of his films that I have come to appreciate above all else.
1: Yeah, although weirdly enough, Black and Gujaris don't have a lot of those. No, they don't. But uh, definitely Ram Leela and Devdas have and I'm, some good I'm stuff like that.
0: certainly yeah. hoping that Bajra Mastani will.
1: Oh, uh, well... Unlike Aaron, I'm not a purist, and I've already cheated and watched a few uh, YouTube clips from Badra Mastani. Yeah, I, I hate and this. And the dance scenes are pretty awesome.
0: I want to see the dancing, I want to see the songs in context for the first time when I'm watching the movie. And then I'll watch them over and over and over and over again yeah. on YouTube. But the first time I want to see them, like, in the movie.
1: The two I've seen are pretty cool, and I think you will be happy with the amount of people dancing in cool ways. Excellent. So I think it's going to be... More on that front.
0: Thing. Excellent. Yeah. Um, and this, this, the dancing here, the songs here, I think are really impressive. But they didn't uh, excite me as much as they do in "Debdas" and "Rem Leela." Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: and I think there's a there there's a lot of them, and they almost start to feel the same, like a bit of the same kind of thing over and over again.
1: Well, it's a lot of I'm going to call it Gujarati folk dancing. I don't know, but it seems kind of. There's well, kind of there like a some dervish similar, maneuver. And there there's like,
0: some similar dancing to what we see in Ramlila, which yeah. is also set in um, Gujarat.
1: Yeah, so there's, you know, similar costumes and uh, similar staging. A lot of uh, Nandini kind of wondering what Samir's up to. And then there's like a dream sequence of her dancing with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are like some of the most impressively staged ones, but... It is. And it does this, kind of just drag down the narrative.
0: Yeah, and there's this kind of crazy dance sequence where everyone is flying a kite.
1: Yeah, that was And
0: cool. there's some sort of... You have to, like,
1: attack. You have to take out the other kite.
0: Yeah, I didn't really not understand. I've apparently been flying a kite poorly my entire life because I yeah. just, like, get it up in the air and then stand there. But apparently you're supposed to be, like, battling and moving around and, like, chanting at well, one another I, I and is a festival. throwing shade. This is
1: a festival where you're trying to okay. be the winner of the kite battle.
0: We do see quite a lot of festivals um, in this film. So we see it opens kind of at Diwali, and we see Holi. There's also a wedding. And so I do like that you get a lot of that kind of um, celebratory aspect to Indian culture. And, you know, you're in this big estate with this large family where, you know, everyone is kind of gossiping and at each other's throats, but also like... You know, really reveling with one another, which I think is one of the aspects that kind of draws me to some of these big, you know, Bollywood melodramas. It's a lot of the second half of
1: DDLJ. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But but done so kind of gorgeously.
1: Yeah. um, Now,
0: we should uh, should probably quickly talk about Ashwarya Rai, uh, Salman Khan, and Ajay Devgan, our kind of central love triangle here. What did you think of these performances? There is a really good reference where, uh, I think it's Salman Khan, says to Aishwarya Rai, who do you think you are of this world?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Which Um, I I really liked. Of the three main actors, definitely is the standout. Yeah. Uh, Salman Khan just has to act like a uh, kind of indulged, uh, kind of childish, fun guy. And Ajay Devgan has to be the serious, reserved, but nice guy. And they don't often leave that mode, whereas she plays fun, she's sad, she's happy, she's got all kinds of different uh, things she's got to work with.
0: I think Devgon shows a greater range here than Salman Khan does. You never see...
1: You see him a little bit happy when they meet, but for the rest of the time, he's pretty morose.
0: Yeah, but I think there's there's a subtlety to his performance and how he has to... Both slowly went over Ashwarya Rai, but also slowly went over the audience and that you really start to see kind of what um, a good guy he is. And I think mm-hmm. when he does kind of loosen up and come out of, you know, his moroseness, you you do warm up to him.
1: Ironically by meeting Samir on the street and then he yeah. with him not knowing that he's his romantic rival and then they turn out to be kind of just good butts.
0: Whereas Salman Khan here, like, he just, I mean, to me... Super
1: skinny, weird-looking, too.
0: But we're, he does,
1: we're, we're used to big buff Salman Khan, and then seeing him, like, my size, it does seem strange.
0: Your size, but a lot more buff.
1: Yeah. No he, offense. He's definitely a lot more buff, but he's not, like, super buff like he is now. Yeah,
0: and there's this, this awful scene where, you know, the women in Nandini's family are arguing with the men, and they're just kind of like... Sitting around, and the men are saying that they're always going to be superior to women, and the women are kind of like fighting for equality. And then Salman Khan comes around, and it reminded me of a similar scene in Dil Dhadakne Do, mm-hmm. where uh, Farhan Akhtar really gets the opportunity to just kind of explain feminism to Priyanka Chopra's uh, ass of asshole of a husband. Right? Spoiler alert. And so. I was expecting something similar here that when Salman Khan came by and they were like, Samir, Samir, come here, tell Nandini and then the ladies why men are always superior to women. And his response is, because they can't do this. And he takes his shirt off and then the women run away. And I was like, what was the point of this scene? This does not make me like this yeah. character in any way. Like, don't fall in love with him. He thinks he's, and he says, like, men are superior, of course. like." Yeah.
1: What? Well, this is, you know, social progress in 16 years, right?
0: I, so yeah, I think so. You have Whereas to start somewhere. Ajay Delgon actually seems to believe, you know, he believes because even though his wife was, you know, quote unquote given to him and he married her. If her, if she doesn't love him, he believes that she doesn't belong to him. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, he, he needs to quote unquote set her feet. He, he doesn't even try.
1: Like he's, he's right away just like, yeah, uh, you know, I think we made a mistake here. Let's let's figure this out.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> I I wasn't quite the chemistry between Ashraya Rai and uh and Samacon didn't didn't work for me. I did, I didn't find I it. They were
1: flirty and fun together, I found. Yeah. She has a more mature relationship with her eventual husband. Yeah. But, you know, it it worked.
0: Yeah. I do want to make one quick note about Ashraya Rai. Um, in the episode that we did, where we talked about all the big stars of Bollywood, mm-hmm. I had said that she had never been kissed on screen. You were lied um, to by
1: Oprah Winfrey. I was
0: lied to by Oprah Winfrey. I took this from, I mean, I did a lot of research for that episode, and I took that piece of information from an interview that uh, Ashraya Rai, Bakchan, And Abhishek Habakchang did with Oprah Winfrey. um, Where Oprah says, like, is it true that you've never been kissed on screen? And Ashwarya Rai says, yes. And then, uh, you know, Abhishek Habakchang kisses her. Um, But she's in at least two kisses um, before that Oprah interview. Um, One of them is in Doom 2 with Rithik Roshan, who we will be talking about um, after our interval. And the other one, I believe, is in Tal. Um, So... I didn't see any kissing scenes in either of these two films that she's in, where like it's clear that they're kissing on the lips. You know, mm-hmm. there's like heads. Yeah, you see the ba- you see the back of
1: Simon Khan's head.
0: Yeah, implied kissing, but not actually. I mean, kissing. you could get pregnant though, so um, that's why they
1: didn't do it on, sta- on, on set. Right. It's right. dangerous. Yeah,
0: I mean that's why you and I don't kiss. No. Gross. Thanks. Yeah. Who, um, wants,
1: who wants a baby?
0: So I I really apologize that Oprah lied to me and then I lied to you. Oh, I really. You know, I feel bad about that.
1: This is all about, uh, you know, ethics in Bollywood journalism. (laughs) Uh,
0: I think that brings us to interval, Matt. Yeah. Uh, So we will be playing a song from uh, Hum Dil De Chuk Sanam. Uh, We'll be playing Doli Taro Dol Baj.
1: And that was Dolitaro Dolbaje from Hamdil de Chukesana. Yeah, so uh, the next uh, SLB film we're going to talk about is Black. Mm-hmm. So this film was, uh, as I think we mentioned before, inspired by the life of Helen Keller, who for a while when I was younger, I kept getting confused with Anne Frank for some reason, <laughs> which made her, uh, you know, escaping the Nazis... All the more, um, you know, impressive to me that a deaf blind girl hiding in an attic was able to not get caught. But you
0: know, you know, Anne Frank like died, right? She was eventually found by the Nazis. Yeah, but she okay. she hid for a while. Yeah, Just like I was, I was, the Nazis. I was like
1: six when I when I got them confused. <laughs> okay. And you know, I'm
0: impressed you knew who Ellen Keller or Anne Frank were at all when you were six.
1: I read a lot. You know, I wasn't particularly informed about them. Yeah, I mean, I
0: don't know if I knew who Anne Frank was until she figured prominently in The Faults in Our Stars.
1: Oh, well, I knew about (laughs) her before then, obviously, because I knew her when I was six. Anyway, this is a tangent. Uh, But Black stars Anita Bachchan, Rani Mukherjee, Ish Kapoor, and uh, Sharnas Patel. And it is about a young woman who is born deaf and blind. No,
0: she's not born deaf and blind. She... Um, when she is a child, age varies. She seems to be quite young, a baby. Yeah. She uh, is is ill, and as a result of this illness, she loses her sight and yeah. her hearing.
1: And throughout the film, especially right at the beginning, people with this affliction are referred to as deaf blinds. Which I thought that was—I don't know if that's a technical term, but you know, it's 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 definitely uh, you know. It definitely makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so this movie was not a huge uh, box office hit, but it did pretty well with the critics. Yeah. Um,
0: won a lot of awards <laughs> and a lot of critics' awards. Yeah. so And it was uh, India's submission to the um, Academy Awards for Best Foreign Language Feature, although it was not nominated.
1: Yeah. Year. Ayesha Kapoor plays the young woman as, what, maybe nine? She's she's pretty young.
0: Yeah, she's about eight or nine, yeah.
1: And, and then Rani Mukherjee plays her when she's in her late teens, early twenties. Yeah. And, uh, and on
0: all the way up till her, her forties. Cause yeah. the, the film opens when, um when Rennie Mukherjee's character, character, whose name is uh, Michelle McNally. Yeah. Good, yeah. Old, good old, Very uh, Indian. Indian name. Yeah. So the film opens when she is in her forties and she's trying to track down, let me Bachchan, who was her teacher. Yeah. And she discovers that he is suffering from Alzheimer's. And she then kind of she's written down her story in in Braille and the film then kind of takes you into that writing and you kind of see everything, you know, from when she was an infant and you know, she ended up deaf and blind to you know, she her attending um, university to gain her Bachelor of Arts.
1: Yeah, so um, her parents as she grows up uh, find it very difficult to deal with her. Yeah. Uh, as you would it seems almost an in, in you know insurmountable task to take care of a kid who's both deaf and blind if you aren't really equipped for it. And
0: she's essentially treated like a wild child. They put a <laughs> bell on her and I mean it kind of remind me of that that Truffaut film. Uh where uh which is about finding a child in in the wilderness and then and then someone kind of having to teach them to civilize them except this this young woman was living with civilized people the yeah. entire time she's got
1: a bell on her she kind of just runs around eating whatever food she wants her hair so,
0: is wild
1: yeah and then um and this, talk-
0: this young actress um aisha Kapoor does an incredible job yeah you know for for a child actor to kind of you know, have to portray uh, someone who is both deaf and blind and kind of, and almost feral, I was really impressed. Yeah,
1: we, we had to look it up just to make sure, like, that she wasn't deaf and blind. Right?
0: Yeah, they must have put contacts in her eyes because, you know, to, to play someone who can't see when you can see... You, you know, have to you,
1: unfocus, you need to unfocus
0: yeah. and You have to unfocus all the time.
1: And uh, it's a very physical role, too, as Amitabh Chen who is a teacher brought in essentially... He essentially wants to help her as his last chance. Like he's yeah. he's had uh, he's an alcoholic. He's an alcoholic, and uh, he isn't getting a lot more jobs. And he thinks, man, if I could fix this one girl, I can kind of go out on a high note. And his uh, his strategies for uh, <laughs> for uh, helping her out were a lot more physical than I thought, because there's a lot of uh, you know picking up, throwing around, uh, you know, changing her environment. And a lot of it is to separate her from her parents, who are essentially babying her because, you know, every time she falls down, they want to go help her out. They want to just let her eat any way she wants. And they're not actually teaching her to be self-sufficient. So it's actually fairly violent, a lot of kind of fistfights between the two of them.
0: Yeah, and if she's allow to continue living this way, they will have to put her in an institution and that's what they want to avoid.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: Bactron comes in and sees the potential in this young woman that no one else does, not even her parents, this potential to not just civilize her, but to give her a quality of life that is on par with others so that she can go, she can do things like go to school, go to university and, and get a bachelor of arts that she can find ways to communicate with the world around her and have people communicate with her.
1: So flash forward about, you know, 10 years and uh, she's going to school and Bachchan goes with her. They're basically inseparable at this point. And her extremely rich family, we must say, like, being pretty rich... Yeah,
0: they have lots of art.
1: ...does make it easier to raise a kid who's deaf and blind. Amitabh Bachchan lives next door to her. They buy houses, and he goes to class with her, and then he essentially, like, types into her arm mm-hmm. what what everyone is saying to her, and then she can read that. And also, we get to see what a, what a uh, Braille typewriter looks like, and it's pretty cool. There's maybe, <laughs> like, six, uh, six or seven... Um, keys and essentially i'm guessing like you press them in certain combinations to punch that particular braille character so Mm -hmm. she's just going nuts on this keyboard and uh, i I had never thought about it but i guess that's how Braille braille keyboard will work because instead of um it's more like a piano where you're trying to make a note out -hmm. of a bunch of keys which is a
0: letter as and the title refers to kind of the life the way that she lives her life, which is in blackness. She can't see, she can't hear, and so everything is black. Amitabh
1: says, uh, you know, your alphabet is going to start with B-L-A-C-K. Yeah. Other people do A-B-C-D-E-F, but you can't. You have to do things differently.
0: And so his desire is to bring her out of that blackness and into the light. Mm-hmm. Um, this, I, I didn't start out with the most amount of patience for this film. Um, you know, it's it's somewhat it's a slow burn. Yeah, it, it it is it can it can be slow, it's somewhat sentimental. It's incredibly um,
1: sentimental. As are um, all three of these movies, I'm gonna say right yeah, now. Yeah.
0: Um some of the acting is a little over the top. You know, Bap is great, but he just kind of has it dialed up a little bit higher He's than super I think. He amped, needs to.
1: But given his position and his job it kind of makes sense that you're going to be over-emoting because you're trying to get through to someone who can't see or hear you.
0: Yeah. Um, but Rani Mukherjee and, and this this young actress, Aisha uh, Kapoor, are quite phenomenal and I think like really convincingly um, portray this this character with this disability at different points in her life. I mean, with Mukherjee's performance, you can kind of see her um, as a young woman uh, she, she's very different when she's a young woman versus when she's uh, a bit older. Um, and there's kind of there, there's subtleties, I think, you know to getting into the kind of physical reality of someone in that state that I, I really admired because I, I don't yeah. think that would be easy to do. I think that t- takes some skill. And I think Rani Mukherjee kind of you know, was really impressive.
1: My favorite part is chronologically when the girl turns from uh, Kapoor to Mukherjee. And you see her just kind of being twenty, hanging out at clubs, mm-hmm. uh, singing on stage, basically.
0: Yeah, and there's only one song in this film, uh, and it doesn't even kind of strike you as, um, you know, a really fantastic musical number. But it is kind of this beautiful sequence where there's this singer up on stage at her um, um, at a, a family party, and uh, she is, you know, she's touching the uh, the jawline of the singer so she can hear, hear the words. And so she's signing it for everyone and mm-hmm. she's dancing. And it's it's really quite lovely because you're always aware in that moment of uh, her disability, but how far she's kind of come, not to overcome it, but to...
1: She's adapted, you know, a lot of things to suit herself.
0: Yeah. And so...
1: And she's having a good time.
0: And she's having a good time. And she, and, you know, people are engaged with her. You know, she doesn't know that... Well, she knows that she's up there and people are watching her, but she can't feel, necessarily feel them watching her. But mm-hmm. she can feel them watching her. She can't see them, but she can feel them.
1: Yeah, um, but there's no stage fright because it's nothing new for her. Yeah. So she's completely uninhibited. And I should say that this scene uh, is probably our first indication as to the actual time period of the movie because we were a little bit surprised. But there yeah. is a giant 1920s microphone and everyone. she's kind of just like a flapper at this point. It wasn't until later on when she's gone to school and they walk by a movie theater, which is playing Charlie Chaplin's The Kid, that we realized, like, oh, this takes yeah. place in the 20s. And, and then you looked it up a, and you said it was pre, uh, in pre, independence pre, from pre-independence. Pre-independence. Like, oh, yeah. well, okay, this makes a bit more sense now.
0: Yeah. And she's kind of got a bit of, like, a kind of uh, Chaplin is the Tramp uh, kind of uh, waddle. waddle. Yeah. Um, it's which, very endearing. It is very endearing, and which I also think must be intentional because not only do we see a poster for the kid, but later on we see a poster for Modern Times. So, like, it's I, the Gold
1: Rush, I think. Oh, it's the Gold Rush. Okay. Yeah. Well, I
0: just, you know, I so I have to assume that this kind of a uh, this is intentional <laughs> that yeah. we would kind of see her character um, and her, her mannerisms as as similar to to Chaplin's famous performance. Yeah, but this
1: is definitely. Indications of uh, SLB's sort of approach to time periods, uh, mise-en-scène. Because, I mean, when we started the movie, it could have easily been taking place now. Or it could have been taking place in the 40s when, I guess, is when chronologically the scenes with old chan take place. Like, it doesn't... His, his cinema is kind of removed from time at this point and this comes up in Guzarish as well that it doesn't really matter and you can just get the story
0: and we don't really like and there are are signifiers that we're not necessarily picking Mm -hmm. up on because you know um In some of these films, people are still dressed in, you know, kind of the same traditional Indian clothing, you know, Mm -hmm. with saris and lingas and et cetera. And that, um, you know, people obviously still dress that way. And so, you know, the clothing isn't always an indicator for us. And here they weren't dressed, you know, kind of traditional Indian clothing, but we still kind of couldn't quite tell and i know when we first saw ram leela you know we kind of thought it was a period piece partly because it's adapted from a Juliet. and then suddenly everyone has cell phones and we're like and there's a neon and
1: and uh there's a neon porno store too yeah
0: you're like oh it's not and we were somewhat confused and so here i just you know i kept thinking like oh it must be the 70s because if you know if it came out in the late 2000s and they went 40 years beforehand you'd be about the mm-hmm. 70s, and then we see the the chaplain poster. And I was like, oh, but I, and I think that's partly because of how everything is really constructed in in sets. So you end up spending a lot of time in in, in interiors, mm-hmm. um, especially in black and Guzerish, um, and you don't necessarily get. It isn't until you kind of leave the these spaces that you really start to understand kind of the world in which these characters are living. So he does kind of a really good job with these. Um, these kind of um, domestic spaces mm-hmm. um, but you're not always entirely sure on how that domestic space is factoring into a larger time and place um, I will say with Hum Dil de Chuke Sanam I always knew <laughs> that it was contemporary at least for 1999 because Samir Salman Khan's character was wearing you know terrible 90s fashion yeah, <laughs> while everyone else was dressed up in stories, but yeah, um, black
1: definitely worth checking out. I think it
0: is. Yeah, it has a. It, the movie really won me over by the end, and I, I did kind of start to to feel my 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 eyes well up a bit. And I think there's a beautiful symmetry that I, I don't want to ruin for anyone, but I, I really I really appreciated it in the end.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a it's tough to say nuanced because it is pretty amped up and over the top with regards to the characters in the film, mm-hmm. but. It does arrive at a kind of poetic little point that I liked.
0: It does. Um, Now, this brings us to our final film, uh, Guzarish.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Guzarish, uh, the title means request, and it features Rithik Roshan, who featured in another Shumla-based film, uh, Bang Bang. Yeah. Uh, Ashwara Ray, uh, Shiraz Patel, and uh, Aditya Roy Kapoor. And in this movie, Rithik Roshan plays a former magician. Yes. Who is crippled in a horrible magic accident. Mm-hmm. Shades of the Prestige, there I guess you'd say. And he has found himself um, a quadriplegic. Yeah. And has since found a new a a new profession as a kind of.
0: Inspirational, inspirational, yeah. Radio house,
1: yeah. So he's got a uh, he's got a, a show called Radio Zindagi, Radio Life, yeah, where he talks to people about his story yeah. and you know inspires other people who've uh, been um, paralyzed and have other things in their life, but
0: or you know just inspires people dealing with life. You know, yeah. there's one caller who who calls in because at one point he was committing suicide and. Ethan Mascaranas uh, you never forget his name because it's said so many times throughout the film Yeah, that's Griffith Roshan. Um, you know, Ethan kind of convinced him to, to to give life a chance to keep living. Um, and so yeah, you know, yeah. He, he's this inspirational figure and then he shocks everyone when
1: he wants to kill himself.
0: Yeah, he his he,
1: progression, his the the progression of his uh, body is getting worse. Uh, mm-hmm. he has to be on dialysis. Um his, you know, limbs are getting atrophied yeah. and he doesn't want to live anymore.
0: But euthanasia is illegal in India, so he has to petition the government to allow him to end his life.
1: Ashwara plays his uh, faithful nurse, who has been with him for 15 mm-hmm. years or so, has completely foregone her own marriage, uh, mm-hmm. her own life. Should well,
0: it- foregone her own marriage, she... Her husband is an abusive I didn't want to say alcoholic. That. Yeah, oh, okay. there's
1: a reason why she wanted. she yeah. didn't want to be in her marriage anymore. But she's completely, you know, subsumed her life into his own to just take care of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, was it Kapoor? He's he shows up and he's the uh, the ma- magic. And Aditya Roy Kapoor. Yeah, he's yeah. he's the magician's apprentice. He wants to <laughs> learn the the tricks of the trade from this legendary magician, and. Yeah.
0: And Shernaz Patel from Black uh, plays his lawyer who's petitioning the government.
1: Yeah. So it, it's, a, it's a combination of the inspirational memoir aspect to Black with some dancing magic sequences. Yeah. Kind of like Doom 3, I guess you'd say. Yeah. And then uh, a legal battle movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's very much a message movie. You know, I think uh, there are characters in this film that are initially uh, hesitant towards Ethan's request for euthanasia. Which They're- he
1: calls Euthanasia. <laughs> Project Euthanasia. He he uh, brings it up on his radio show and asks people, what do you think of Pro- Project Euthanasia? Uh, Our subtitles did not uh, spell this correctly, <laughs> but he brings it up constantly. And it is... I guess it's a funny pun, but it is said a hundred times. Euthanasia.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there are people in his life who are initially, you know, they're against it or they're hesitant. And over the course of the film, you know, he uh, makes the argument that everyone should have the right to die with dignity, which I mean, personally is, is something. I mean, I don't want to get too controversial here or too political. I mean, personally, I think it's something that I can agree with.
1: Mm-hmm. Um because his condition is not stable, and no. his life is getting progressively worse year after year. It's it's understandable, even though he himself is this inspirational figure. Mm-hmm. It's understandable why he would want to not, um, you know, progress further down this road. Yeah,
0: and I think that juxtaposition of this this lively character who is you know unable to use his body. Um, who you know is kind of essentially like inherently optimistic Mm -hmm. um you know fighting for something like this like it's it's it is all really kind of balanced none of this comes off as you know i think overly trite or overly hammy it all kind of really um, yeah
1: and it's interesting for rithik roshan who is well known for his yeah, body so this to be the guy stuck in a wheelchair.
0: Yeah, this is fascinating to me. The Riddick Roshan is, you know, I love to watch the I don't think men. you see him
1: shirtless in this movie, which, out of the ordinary for him.
0: What? I mean, th- Matt, this might be, well... I, no, I was going to say this is our first episode where we haven't commented on shirtless dudes, but I already talked about that Salman Khan scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was not a great shirtless dude scene. An though. unfavorable
1: shirtless dude scene. Yeah, yeah. Men. In
0: these three films, I'm really lacking some uh, some quality shirtless du- dude scenes. Bollywood, step it up.
1: Well, Karen Johar will help you out.
0: Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so I, I found this film really effective and putting an actor like... Rithik Roshan, who has this incredible body and just like, you know, Gumby legs. You know, when mm-hmm. he dances, I'm just like, how are his legs attached to his body? And then forcing him to not be able to use those attributes was fascinating. And how, you know, I think you really see the extent of Rithik Roshan's range in this performance. He emotes so much in his eyes and just his head, because that's all he has. That being said, there are a few scenes Flashback scenes that show him performing magic before he was paralyzed, as well as a couple of fantasy scenes where he does—he he gets is up out of his wheelchair, get up, up out of his stuff, wheelchair, yeah. which are like kind of jaw-dropping because you have spent so much of this film kind of feeling the containment.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's generally an amazing actor, but in this one,
0: I think he's good with here. the
1: constraints. He's forced to actually
0: act a lot. He's really good more. here. And another uh, Chaplin reference: there is a dance sequence that where uh, he dances with like kind of like a giant bubble, yeah. and it reminded us both of Chaplin and the Great Dictator. Although it's yeah. nowhere near as funny.
1: There's not really the uh, whole Hitler thing, but <laughs> no. there it, it is a little bit reminiscent of that. Um,
0: but it's more, and it, it's really interesting. Uh, because it's a very different style of dance than we see in Bollywood films most of the time. It's more of like a uh, ballet, like a ballet jazz yeah. uh, type. It's and it did, did. I'm sure it's physically demanding, but it didn't have the same kind of like energy mm-hmm. um, as most of the dancing. I feel like I see in Bollywood films. It was more kind of restrained and lyrical.
1: I think I like this the best out of these three movies. Yeah. Yeah, I would go Guzarish Black. Hum.
0: I think this is the prettiest.
1: It's definitely yeah, because it is almost entirely shot on sets. Yeah, and this kind of dilapidated gothic mansion that he lives in—you get that Goa Portuguese Catholic yes. uh, influence. It's it's a really interesting uh, venue for him to live in, and you know his body's falling apart, his house is falling apart. It's uh, it's got that Guillermo del Toro look, I think, and yeah, there's. Uh, tons of photos all over the walls for some reason in, Well, so he in can frames. look yeah. at
0: at his memories and his friends and, and family, but he doesn't, you know, he never leaves his house. Well,
1: he's he's caged underneath all of this material of his former life. Yeah. And Asharia
0: Rai's costuming here, you know. She
1: dresses kind of like a Roma woman or something. It's, yeah, again, it's those, those
0: Portuguese influences. And she has a, a dance sequence where... Uh, you know, it's not, it's not quite flamenco, but she does, you know, some hand clapping yeah. and, and moving of her legs. That's probably my favorite. picking up her skirts. It's, it's, That's
1: probably my favorite dance sequence. Yeah,
0: it looks... Uh, I mean, she's ravishing. Like, you know, it's been said she's the most beautiful woman in the world. And who are we to, to disagree with that? Yeah. And her... I, I, I find her chemistry with Hrithik Roshan a lot more palpable than her chemistry with Salman Khan. Um, so it's worth noting this is the third film to pair them together after Doom 2 and um, Jodha Akbar. Um, it's also her second film with Aditya Roy Kapoor, who was also in Action Replay, Yeah, a movie here's we off. Here's a off. tip.
1: Yeah, tip. Don't watch Action Replay. It's yeah. not even worth one play, much less a replay.
0: Yeah. Um, Matt really loves Back to the Future. <laughs>
1: and wouldn't you know it, the bollywood uh version of back to the future action replay uh shah Shaheed, probably don't do this one because it was bad it it was a real letdown
0: yeah and uh you know as we're always looking for good actually kumar films uh and this is before we started the podcast matt said well let's watch the the back to the future remake and there's uh, no way
1: this could be bad
0: but 30 minutes in yeah we turned it off
1: yeah <laughs> um yeah Guzarish. i would definitely recommend it Black is a little bit uh, sappy. goozerish It has to argue for its own premise because yeah. he himself is this very emotional and uh, upbeat personality who has to argue for the right to kill himself. Um, so I think it kind of figures out his premise as it's going along and you can kind of buy it.
0: And interestingly... You know, because I, I agree with you. I think this is the film that really moved me the most. Um, but out of all three of these films, it's the one that did the poorest at the box office and had the most mixed critical response. Hmm. Um,
1: well, I think maybe that has to do with... Uh, it's difficult with subject matter. I, well, I think Rithik Roshan kind of gets a bad rap for his acting, and maybe people weren't giving it the due.
0: I think he's great. I mean, th- he was coming off of Kites here, and that, that's
1: kites is not an amazing film
0: yeah and there was some concern over the amount of english in the film um yeah this one
1: is like half to three quarters
0: english and i guess at one point there was even more english in it yeah um but you know and i i think it's difficult to make kind of you know big budget films like this about difficult subject matter yeah you know um that being said, you know, eventually we'll talk about PK, which I also think is about difficult subject matter and is currently the highest-grossing Bollywood film of all time. Yeah. Um, so I can't quite say why this didn't land with audiences because I, you know, you and I were, were clearly very taken in. It's it's beautiful to look at. It's. And I'm an, an interesting incredibly story. cynical person too, and it yeah. actually did work for me. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. And I, you know the chemistry here between between these individuals, and
1: well, I think I think uh, there's. Rather than uh, a Hum, where it's a love story. Yeah. A love triangle, I guess you'd say.
0: Yeah, Hum is very... It's
1: it's very stereotypical Bollywood. Yeah. Black uh, has an interesting relationship between Amitabh and Rani, because it's a teacher-student thing. Mm-hmm. They both are dealing with their own demons. In Guzrish, we have Hrithik, who employs Ashwarya Ray, who is also in love with him. And then a young man who wants to learn his magic secrets. And just even in the, the setup of how everyone knows each other, there's more to work with than right. two people just fall in love. Because that's all they're going to talk about where here you have, you know, uh, a physical profession turned into a mental prote- profession as he has to teach this guy without being able to use his hands. And then the arguments about, you know, well, I don't want to, you know, if you die, that's my livelihood gone. Also, I'm in love with you.
0: Um, and SLB has really given himself kind of some interesting challenges with Black and Guzerish that I wasn't necessarily expecting uh, going into to watching some of his other films from the kind of lavish spectacles that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's really kind of fascinating that he has these two sides to him, one which I think is kind of playing more to kind of large audiences. It's playing more for the crowd. And then these other things that I think are very, that seem a, a, a lot more personal
1: Aaron, the predominant film theory is autourism.
0: Right. So yes.
1: auteurism, uh for those of you who don't know, is kind of like it's,
0: another true reference. Is developed by Francois. It Warthrow. has basically
1: been, I, I I would think, in the internet, uh, you know, film criticism vocabulary, that is the predominant way that people look at movies. Right. Uh, no one really, you know, looks at a screenwriter and thinks, apart from Robert Town, maybe, no one really thinks. ...about that anymore. It, it has become the predominant way that people want to talk about movies. Right. Looking at the films of SLB through an auteurist lens, with the auteur theory meaning that even though each movie, it might be about different things, there is a through line because the same director is making it. Yeah. like There's certain things that he wants to say. What would you think are the influences uh, on Bonsali, or what does he want to do with his movies?
0: Well, I think he's he's saying something about human dignity and integrity. Um, I think in all of the films that we've seen, we, are, we have characters who, in some way, whether physically or socially, are restricted.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and they are trying to live out the kind of great destinies the great schemes that they have for their lives beyond those restrictions and whether or not that release is you know falling in love with the person that they choose to um or you know
1: overcoming their own body
0: overcoming their own body you know and i think um, I mean, we said it before. Ramle was adapted from Romeo and Juliet, so you gotta know what happens at the end.
1: <laughs> Star-crossed lovers.
0: You got know, you gotta know what happens at the end of Romeo and Juliet. So this, you know, this this kind of march towards death can be just as liberating. And as, living in a
1: violent society.
0: Yeah, and can be just as liberating as you know choosing who to love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think. I so think it he's, is his... he has a he has a strong humanist streak, and whether yeah. that's in kind of a romantic melodrama or if it, it's in some of these more issue films i do I do see it as a through line
1: is there a a narrative of choice running through Bonsali? either well, and then the, the your dimin- choice has been restricted somehow yeah, but you still make it
0: yeah okay yeah i mean and then and the difficulties around choice and whether or not again those limitations are are social or or physical. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. That, that's what I would see. Along with, you know, kind of gorgeous and lush cinematography and these, um, yeah. uh, you know, kind of interesting and engaging musical numbers.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. Wow. Um, yeah. Food for thought. Mm-hmm. So.
0: As we uh, head into another yeah. Uh, as we head into another uh, SLB film next week.
1: Yeah, we'll see if his adaptation of the life of uh, Badgerow,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if the narrative of making a choice, will he be bound by duty? He has two wives or something, so <laughs> that's going to be part of the film. We don't know much about it. Aaron hasn't seen any of the things at all. But I've we're seen re- the trailer. We're really looking forward to this one, and we want to see how it stacks up against the rest of his filmography. So... Tune in possibly next week yeah. to our next episode where we are going to talk about Bajram and Dilwale
0: And Dilwana, yes, the new yeah. Rohit Shetty film with Shaira Khan, Kajal, Varun Dhawan, Kriti, Sonan, and Boman And uh, yeah. we will be having our first friendly.
1: Yeah, we're going to be having our first special guest, a friendly,
0: as yeah. it's called in uh, Bollywood. Our good friend Juliet Franklin will be joining us to discuss these new releases.
1: Yeah, it's going to be first for us talking about a brand new movie, but and first for us having a guest. But mm-hmm. I hope you uh, you know download it and listen and let us know what you think. Uh, Aaron, how can uh, people get in contact with us? Uh,
0: they can keep up with the show by following us on Tumblr. We always leave a lot of kind of special hidden treats in our show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, We also have a Twitter account, BollywoodPod, as well as our own personal Twitter accounts. I'm at Aaron E. Fraser, E-I-N-E-F-R-A-S-E-R.
1: And I'm at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S.
0: And you can like us on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And if you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving us a star rating and a review on iTunes. We read all the reviews out on air and we... Always appreciate the positive feedback. Uh, so it encourages us to <laughs> not put out our episodes late. Yeah, and again,
1: <laughs> check out the uh, Split Screen podcast as well. It's Bollywood is for lovers approved. And uh, yeah, and yeah. you can listen
0: to me every week on uh, Trash on the Movies with Paul Matwachuk, the podcast cast that hit that the pits. podcast that pits eyebrows and against brandless entertainment, and, and then declares vector. a victor. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> We'll see you soon.